Thank you, Felicity. Very kind of you. I don't know about you guys, but I am filled with a real sense of expectation this morning about what God wants to speak to us about. I'm filled with a real expectation that God wants to meet with us this morning. And so I encourage you this morning to engage with God, not only with your mind, but with your heart as well, because he wants to share something personal into your life this morning. You know, there's a million different places we could have been today. It's a beautiful sunny day out there. There's big scary COVID warnings and whatnot as well, so who knows what the future holds. But this morning you could have been out at the beach You could have been having brekkie with your family. Who knows, some of us could use a sleep in. Is that anyone here? I know, I certainly could have. But you're here. And I want to tell you, it's not by accident that you're here this morning. And I believe that God has got a specific word that he wants to speak to you. And over the last couple of weeks, God has really been honing in a particular area in my life and been talking to me about this concept of gratitude. And developing this whole sense of what it means to be grateful in every circumstance in my life. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. You know, I had a wonderful experience on Friday night. I just want to take a moment to publicly thank Em and Hayden for the amazing job that they're doing with our young people. On Friday night, we had young people sitting where you sit and they were confronted They were confronted by the single most significant event in the entirety of history since the creation of the world. As these young people were sitting here, they were confronted with the broken and bloody body of Jesus as he was being lifted up onto a bloody cross. And a confrontation like that demands a response. And on Friday night, we had a number of young people put their hand up and respond with gratitude by saying, God, I want to give you my life. Because of what you've done. And I want to thank Hayden. I want to thank the team, Michael and Rach, and everyone involved with youth here. Because you are doing an amazing work, not only in our youth, but in the youth of Kabulcha. Thank you for that. Church, this morning I'm grateful. I'm grateful for a love and a sacrifice that I cannot begin to understand. I'm grateful this morning to be sharing with you a hope that has set me free, that has set us free, that has given us an opportunity to live life the way that it's meant to be lived. And so this morning, we're going to explore the book of Daniel. And in particular, chapter 2, if you have your Bible with you this morning, can I encourage you to open up the Scriptures? Just don't take my word for it, but read along. I will have some of the Scriptures on the screen as well for us to go through if you don't have your Bible. But before we do that, I want to give you just a brief context of this book of Daniel. What a wonderful book it is. This book of Daniel is a historical account of Israel's oppression at the hands of Babylon. But yet we have this juxtaposition on the other side. We have Daniel and a group of young Judah men who have been lifted up. And amongst their circumstance, they are thriving. And it starts here in Daniel 1 verse 1 we read. In the third year of his reign, Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So scholars told us that this happened around the time of 597 BC. This king, Nebuchadnezzar, came in, overthrew the king Jehokim, and also 
destroyed Solomon's temple. Not only that, he came and he took the best young men of Judah, dragged them along and put them in Babylon. And we read in the scripture that he took these young men and he started educating them through his chief official. And they were taught Babylonian culture, language and literature. And here we read in 1 Daniel 18 verse 20. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times more able than the magicians and enchanters in the whole of the kingdom. And herein we find the context of today's message. This young man, these young men taken out in exile from the country that they live in, that they were born in, into a foreign land. Their circumstance seems dire, yet God uses them mightily, yet God delivers them time and time again. And God's faithfulness is evident throughout the book of Daniel. God is faithful to intervene and restore. Jerusalem lays in ruin. The temple has been ransacked, yet David, oh, sorry, Daniel is preserved, but more than that, he is thriving. And so let's start by looking at chapter 2, and this is where we'll pick up our teaching from today. So if you go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. Something we need to understand about King Nebuchadnezzar was that he was an extremely powerful man. And you might look at that Lego picture over there and say that doesn't look very scary, but in real life this dude meant business. Historians refer to him as a warrior king. Why? Because he had numerous battle prowesses. He had numerous victories on the battlefield and his leadership really stood out. His empire was one of the most significant empires of his time. He overthrew the Syrians, the Palestines, and Judah during his time in reign. But isn't it interesting, the things that trouble us? Here we have a veteran warrior king who has seen countless battles, yet he is troubled and deeply so by dreams. Isn't it interesting, the things that trouble us? So let us continue to read. In verse 2 and 3. So the king summoned his magicians, his enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me. I don't want to know what it means. In verse 4 we continue. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Sounds like a reasonable request, doesn't it? Verse 5 and 6. The king replies to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me my dream and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me my dream. And interpret it for me. Reading this passage, it 
seems kind of ridiculous what Nebuchadnezzar is asking these wise men to do. I mean, it's fair to say that this is a crazy overreaction, right? But think about the times in our lives when we're faced with stressful situations. I wonder if anyone out there is like me and at times can overreact a little bit. One of the first signs and symptoms that I'm under stress is that I get a bit irritable. I don't know if anyone out there is a bit like me. I think as Australians, though, we tend to be pretty casual people. We have this reputation or the stereotype of being pretty laid back in most areas of life. There is one area in particular, though, where, where things are a little bit different, where we can relate a little bit to Nebuchadnezzar, and that's whenever we hop in behind the wheel of a car. And I'll tell you a brief story. Recently, I was on the way to school, and I was going onto the on-ramp out of Caboolture onto the, the Bruce Highway, and I was going on the, the highway, got run off the road by this young lady. Now, to make matters worse, I was driving my four-wheel drive, the Colorado, and she was in a little barina, and I had to slam on the brake because I was about to fly into the barricade. But in any case, as I slammed on the brake, she sped past. She had a window down. She was looking dead straight ahead, and out the side, she uh, pointed a certain hand gesture at me to tell me what she thought of me. Now, I'll leave that to your imagination about what that was. But the point is... That stressful situations have a way of causing us to overreact at times. Let's continue to read verse 10 and 11. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of a magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. I find it so fascinating, that last sentence, and we'll pick that up a little bit later. I wonder if we can catch the desperation in these men's voices. I wonder if we can see the predicament that they find themselves in. From their perspective, this is a serious issue. This is literally life and death, and they have no way to overcome. They have no way to meet the requirements that the king has put before them. Their situation is completely hopeless. But you know the thing about life is sometimes it can be so beautiful and breathtaking. You know, in fact, this morning I was just out in the bush on my ute, lying in the back of the tray, just looking up at the beautiful blue sky, hearing the chirping sound of the birds as they were singing. And, and I just love being in nature. It's one of the things that I really froth is going out to the beach and sitting and listening to the waves and just, just being in awe of God's creation. Staring up at a night sky and just seeing the tapestry of scar, stars that God created. And for me, they just shout, majesty. And beauty. But who knows that life can be difficult? Who knows that there can be circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in which we just don't see a way out, that we just don't see deliverance, that we just don't see an opportunity for us to get away from this thing that is holding us back? It's in times like these where hope can be a significant factor in someone's ability to be able to cope. 
And you know, as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that surpasses any other hope. The Bible tells us that God works to the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. It's a promise that we can claim. Our God, the God of the Bible, the God of Jacob, the God of David, the God of Daniel, is in the business of making the impossible possible today. He is in the business of taking unwinnable situations and turning them into incredible victory so that he can be glorified. You know, the Bible is full of stories of God doing miraculous things to set people free, to deliver them in situations where there seemed to be no hope. The Israelites were pressed up against the sea with Pharaoh's raging army coming to claim them, coming to collect them back. But God parted the sea. Lazarus was dead in his tomb. You do not get more final than that. He was stinking the grave. Yet Jesus called him up by name and he stood up and ran out. We sang it this morning. God called him and he ran out. We were dead in our sin. We were dead in our transgression. But Jesus died on the cross, the most horrific and bloody death that you could imagine to set us free and to give us life. And to deliver us. God is in the business of making the impossible possible. That's who he is. And so as we continue in verse 12, we see the king gets so furious. King Nebuchadnezzar gets furious with this response from his astrologers, his magicians. And so he orders them to be executed. And he gets his right-hand man to go out and round up all the wise men. And unfortunately, this includes our friend Daniel and all his friends from Judah as well. They round them all up and they're about to get executed. And Daniel goes, hang on. Just hang on one second. And I believe that there is a lot that we can learn from this situation when we find ourselves in insurmountable situations. Daniel is given wisdom by God and he says, hang on. This is so harsh. What is going? Why would the king say this? And so the chief official explains it to Daniel and he goes to the king and he pleads with the king, give me some, look, just give me some time. I mean, very interesting side note here is that the king didn't provide the astrologers with any extra time, but yet he did for Daniel. And maybe that's a discussion for another day. But in any case, Daniel asks for extra time. The king grants him the extra time and so here's what he does and and a lesson for us and maybe could be the topic of numerous different uh, sermons. But he grabs his friends, he grabs the people in his tribe, he grabs the people that are close to him, that care about him, and he gets around those people and he says, it's time for us to get on our knees. And they get on their knees and they call out to God. In the midst of whatever your circumstance and situation is, here's a blueprint of what to do. Grab the people closest to you and get on your knees. And talk to the very creator of your soul, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. And so let us continue. Here we are in verse 19 to 23. And I'm about to start my sermon. (laughs) During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised God of heaven and said, Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. 
He changes the time and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things and knows what lies in darkness. And light dwells with him. I thank you and I praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we have asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. This morning, Hope Point, I believe that God wants to develop in us a heart of gratitude. He wants to develop in us an attitude of gratitude. He wants to take us on a journey, a shift in perspective, a paradigm change as we see things in a different light. You know, the fascinating thing about Daniel's response here in his prayer, he has not yet been delivered. He prayed, God gave him a vision, but he still has a death sentence hanging over his head. He still hasn't been acquitted. He still hasn't approached the king, yet he is rejoicing, yet he is praising Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. He is filled with gratitude. He has not yet been delivered, but he has been given a vision. And I know for some of us this morning, we might be sitting here thinking, well, this is all fine and good for Daniel. See, God had delivered Daniel once before in chapter 1. And we know throughout the book of Daniel that God delivers Daniel time and time again. But where is God in my desperation? Where is God in my situation? Where is God in the financial pressures that I face? Where is God in the doctor's report that I've received? Where is God in the breakdown of my family relationships and the people around me? Where is God? And you know, there's been times in my own life where I've experienced pain, and greatly so, at the circumstances that life have thrown my way. There's been times where pain and grief have stolen my attention. And I love this word this morning, Felicity, about our perspective, turning our perspective to a higher place. But you know, as a young man, my mother got diagnosed with cancer, and it was four months between the time when she died, was diagnosed and passed away, and she left. Myself, six years old, my brother and sister, younger as well, and my father to fend for us, and he was disabled. A year later, my grandmother, who really loved us and sort of stepped into that mother's spot, developed cancer on the brain, and six months later, she passed away. Another six months after that, our nanny, who was like a mum to me, died from AIDS. Last year, I had a dear, dear friend that we prayed for and we believed for and we stood in the gap for, passed away from the same disease. And then two weeks ago, maybe, maybe a bit longer ago, a couple of weeks ago, we got a phone call from Mel's parents that we needed to have a family meeting. And she's been diagnosed with incurable lung cancer. So moments like these, moments where we experience pain that is so raw and so universal, 
So there's one thing that people understand right across the grave, it's pain. Something that we all experience. I don't want to say that there's nothing wrong with experiencing these emotions. There's nothing wrong with feeling pain and grief. It's a natural human response. And in fact, it's part of our human condition. To illustrate my point that I want to make this morning about gratitude, I want to tell you a little story. About three years, in fact, maybe a bit longer ago, me and Mel decided that we wanted to have another, another boy or another child. And we started trying and there were a number of medical complications and different things and it took much longer than what we expected. And we got to the stage where we were like, God, is this actually going to happen? We really, really want another child, but it's not happening for us. And if you've ever been on that journey, you know how painful that can be at times. Along the way, we had a couple of miscarriages and Mel went to the doctors and got checked out. And I was actually booked in to go get checked out and we got the wonderful news that Mel had fallen pregnant. And I just remember the, the sheer excitement and the joy that was in my heart because we had been praying in the space for so long. We'd been moving in the space for so long and then God provided. And it drew a response of gratitude from me that he had provided after such a long time. But it was eight weeks before his birth. In the middle of the night, Mel tapped me on the shoulder and said, babe, something's wrong, we need to go. And so we headed off to the Caboolture Emergency and Matthias was born not long after. I remember it all happening so very fast. One minute we had this healthy, happy bub in the womb, and then the next minute we're sitting in an emergency with an emergency birth. And the thing about trauma is it's funny the things that you remember. I still vividly remember the doctors rushing in and the, and the loud beeping of the machines as they attached it to his blue little body. And he was breathing, but he wasn't doing well. And I was filled with this sense of dread. Oh, God, not again. I've been through so much loss in my life. What are you doing, God? And something happened in me, which was supernatural, and it did not come from my heart. And I started to pray. And I said, God, I want to thank you for this little life. I want to thank you for this little boy that you've gifted us. But God, I know Matthias does not belong to us. He belongs to you, and if you want him, claim him. He is yours. And if you're a parent this morning, you know how difficult that prayer is to pray. And there will be parents in this room this morning who stood where I stood, who prayed what I prayed, and the Lord has come and taken their little one home, and my heart bleeds for you. I'm so sorry. But this is the point that I'm trying to make. Our gratitude cannot be a result of a shift in our experience. It needs to be a shift in our perspective. And I want you to hear me again this morning. Our gratitude is not a result of a shift in our experience, but it's rather a shift in our perspective. If we go throughout our whole life, only giving thanks, only being grateful when situations turn out the way that they should be, if life turns out the way that we expect that we are going to live a miserable and self, a life full of self-pity. 
The moment where everything changed for me is when I had a shift in perspective, when I saw the life of Matthias not as mine, but rather as my heavenly father's. Matthias belonged to him, and it was at that very moment where I received peace. It was at that very moment I knew that everything was going to be okay. Even if it wasn't, it was going to be okay. Even if Matthias did not make it through, I knew that it was going to be okay. And that was a supernatural peace in that situation. Hope point. Let us be transformed through the renewal of our mind this morning. There's an ultimate hope for us. There's an ultimate hope for us, something that we can be grateful for because Jesus came as a man. Because Jesus promised that we could have life and life in abundance, that Jesus came to give us an eternal life an eternal peace, a resurrected body without pain, without sickness, without sadness, without struggle. I want to invite the band to come up this morning. And we got a scripture here from 1 Peter verse 1, 3 to 6. And I love this passage. It is so beautiful and it brings such hope in times of trial. I want to ask you a favour. I want to ask you to close your eyes and let these words wash over you. If you are someone this morning who is struggling with anything in your life, let these words be an encouragement to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result in the praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Imperishable undefiled, unfading, is the glory and the hope that awaits us because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. This is the hope that allowed Daniel to stare into the death sentence in front of him and yet give glory to God. It is a hope that allows us to stare at the situation we are facing this morning and give glory to God. As we conclude our story this morning with Daniel, he goes up to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, full of faith. And I could just imagine this man brimming ear to ear, death sentence hanging over his head, looking the king square in the face saying, My God, has revealed your mystery to me. Your astrologers didn't get it. Your magicians didn't get it. The sorcerers had no idea. But the God who created the universe spoke to me. 
And in verse 28 we read, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known the King Nebuchadnezzar's what will happen in the latter days. And there is a result. There is a result of Daniel's faith and gratitude. This mighty king gets low, falls on his face, prostrate before Daniel and glorifies God. This morning, family, I want to tell you that we give glory to God when we are grateful despite our circumstance. I want to tell you this morning that when we choose to have a shift in our perspective, that God's name is the one that gets lifted high. That God is the one who receives the glory and honor. That God, the God of the breakthrough, is the one who is lifted high. Maybe this morning is an opportunity for us to adopt a shift in perspective. Maybe this morning is an opportunity for us to lift our eyes from our feet and turn it towards the heavens. Maybe this morning is a time for you to have a transformation in your heart, to start seeing that situation as the way God sees it. And I want to pray this morning with you. I'm going to have the band play. I'm going to go through that chorus again, and in a moment I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Father, I just want to thank you, God, that you are in the business of transforming our hearts and our lives. God, I thank you when I think of the sacrifice that you made for us. God, that you just love us so much. God, some of us have broken hearts this morning. Some of us have situations, God, that we cannot begin to understand or explain. But God, give us a change of perspective. Lift our eyes onto the King of Kings and the King of Glory. Thank you, Lord. Won't you stand with me as we sing this chorus again this morning?